Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. I'm coming to you live from Tel Aviv, Israel, and my partner in crime, Bill Quinn, is in hot Atlanta. Welcome, Bill. Hey, good evening, Todd. Good to see you. So I've uh, got a full show tonight. We're going to have Christine Dolan with us, uh, our chief editor and our chief investigative correspondent to talk about the ruling in New York, which is definitely going to impact Georgia. So that is coming up. We have our favorite advisor, uh, David Cross, who's going to be here. And we're going to talk about markets and other things and a, a lot of other discussion about Israel and other items. Uh, so stay tuned. But before we get going, we're brought to you by the Georgia Record, georgiarecord.com. Please sign up for our no ad subscriptions. We need your support. Uh, you get 13 channels of global news. You can go to cdm.press and see all the different websites we have available. And from the global uh, Eastern Europe to the Middle East, down to the local level, and like we are in Georgia. And uh, I can guarantee you there's not another news organization like it. So, but we need your support. We're kicked off all the major advertising channels and it's a problem. So um, please support us and help us have a steady income every month. It's 10 bucks a month and you get access to all of our sites with no advertisements. And we're going to be loading up the ads because we need to uh, bring in, you know, additional funding to support all of the stuff that we're doing. So uh, that's one way I know people don't like them popping up on your phone, but if you buy our no ad subscription and there's an annual Reduced rate as well. You don't get all those ads. So thank you for that. Sign up for our Rumble channel. Sign up for our newsletters. Tell people about the Georgia record, about CDM.press. Spread the word. Word of mouth is best. We're, we're kicked off a lot of the major distribution channels uh, because we tell the truth. And uh, we've suffered the consequences of that, but we're not stopping. First, uh, before we get going, I want to talk about one of our sponsors, the Wellness Company. And they have an emergency medical kit, which you need to look at and take care of your family with. I don't know if you've seen it, but in China, they are having uh, really another, call it a, a, I don't know, a pandemic or something where massive numbers of children as of last night are being reported in the hospitals with some type of uh, virus spreading around to Chinese children. So that is concerning. That's how the last one started. So protect your family, get the emergency medical kit. You know, the crisis in Israel, everything was fine. We'll talk about this later, but I had an interview with a senior Israeli official today and uh, everything was fine, and uh, Hamas was deterred and satisfied with a lot of uh, aid they had been giving, and so everybody kind of looked away, and guess what happened? So this stuff can happen quickly. We could have a cyber attack. The electricity could be shut off. The pharmacy could be closed. How are you going to protect your family? You really need to take a look at this emergency medical kit. Go to CDM, excuse me, twc.health forward slash CDM, and you can see all the different medications that are there, and it will protect you from tick bites, from bioweapons, from everything. So cdm.health forward slash cdm. And if you use promo code cdm, you get a 10% discount. But also, if you go to cdm.press, the ads are all over the site right now. There are bigger discounts on all their other products. Uh, Bill, bring up the uh, spike protein uh, supplement, that spike support that they have developed. Uh, a lot of you may have taken the vaccine either unknowingly as to what the problems were. You didn't have informed consent. You may have military members. This will purify their blood and get rid of this protein spike that your body is being forced to create for we don't really know how long. And so this will stop this uh, toxin in the bodies from causing cancers, autoimmune diseases, and all of this stuff, or at least help reduce that chance. So take a look at their spike support product also. So twc.health forward slash CDM. Um, Bill, let's bring in our first guest. Okay. 
Christine Dolan, thank you so much for making time to join us tonight. Well, good to thank see you, you Jen. How are you guys? How's Tel Aviv, Todd? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Lots of rockets yeah. going over the top at night, but everybody's out in the cafes just enjoying life. It's, it's quite startling. But you have been really uh, on the story with Bobby Ann Cox in New York from the beginning. You interviewed her really before it was a story, and you've stayed with it. You've interviewed, interviewed her multiple times. Tell the people of Georgia why they need to be worried about what's going on in New York, or at least aware of it and, and what they you know need to pay attention to. So I, I need to get, first of all, I want to say thank you to the Georgia audience and everybody that has supported us down there, including Casey and Rob Cunningham, Michelle and Kurt Sarkeesian. I mean, from the very start, that's how you and I met, Todd, and, mm -hmm. you know, how we really have built this uh, organization. But, you know, context, historical context is important. And what a lot of people have to understand is that there's a domino effect uh, when a piece of legislation takes off in one state, whether it's California, New York, Maine, Connecticut, pushback in New Jersey for the medical exemptions for kids. And that's what happens state by state. It seems incredible for people to even think that anybody would be thinking about quarantines in America. But we all know during COVID, the quarantine issues surfaced in Australia. There were really quarantine camps. There were people that were put in them. There were stories that came out. And there was what, what happened in New York, before we get to what the decision was this week, this was, um, this actually started in 2015. There's a guy named Nick Perry, who was uh, born in Jamaica. He was in the New York State Assembly for about 30 years, since about 1992. He, in 2015, put before a state assembly a health quarantine law. Now, there had been one on the books in New York State since 1953. It was deemed to be constitutional. It included due process. But he did this in 2015. There were He's a Democrat. There were no Democrats, no Republicans who supported it, but he kept on reintroducing it every session. And surprisingly enough, or maybe not so the way the world is working these days, when Joe Biden became president, he was nominated to be, the, he's a very obscure guy. He represented Flatbush in New York and he won. He won like almost 99% the last time he ran. But in 2021, he was nominated to be the ambassador to Jamaica. He currently is the ambassador to Jamaica. So this is a guy who believed in quarantines that never got anywhere in New York at the time through the assembly. And the assembly is the legislative branch where they make laws. We all know <clears throat> that we have separation of power on the federal level. We have separation of power on the state level. And you have the executive branch, like the, like the president and the governor are comparable. The state legislators and the U.S. Congress are comparable with the Senate making legislative decisions. And then you have the judiciary at the state and the federal level. So... When COVID hit New York, there was, and Governor Cuomo then was given a lot of power. He, he allowed for a regulation to become a regulation. It wasn't a law, but it was a regulation. So it was deemed to be legal under emergency powers during COVID in 2020. That basically established a rule where somebody could be quarantined if 
somebody deemed you to be exposed to a communicable disease, none of which was defined. It's very opaque. And that was a regulation that stayed in place when Cuomo left office and Kathy Hochul came in as governor. And Bobby Ann Cox was somebody who discovered this at a cocktail party and said, oh, it can't be true. It's too unconstitutional. She did her research. And then she filed the lawsuit in 2022. And it wiggled through the courts. It was very interesting at the time because Hochul was the new governor of New York. And when she filed the lawsuit, the attorney general's office took over the case legally. They moved it from the state court to the Western federal court where it did not belong. She had to get somebody to help her in the Western district federal of New, federal district of New York to move it back to the state court. She was absolutely on board with this, that it was a state violate. It was a violation of state state law. She had three plaintiffs, three Republicans, a, a state senator, two assemblymen that were the plaintiffs in the case. Then she was able to get three more Republican assemblymen to sign on for an amicus brief. So it went to trial. And at, the, at that point in time, so this, this is July, August 2022, the judge ruled in the lower court that it was unconstitutional. There was no due process. When the judge asked represent the lawyer from the AG's office, well, what happens if you get taken out of your home? Your, your, your parents, your kids, your spouse, you get taken out of your home because somebody thinks, they think that you mm -hmm. have been exposed to a communicable disease. The lawyer shrugged his shoulders and said, well, your honor, I guess they would have to hire an attorney. So the judge ruled right then and there, this was unconstitutional, no due process, and noted that there was a law on the books that included due process and that was found to be constitutional going back to 1953. There was a process, there were limitations on it. So the judge ruled that this regulation, not a piece of legislation like the 1953 law, but this regulation that was concocted and it was through the Department of Health in New York with unconstitutional, no due process. So Bobby Ann Cox was not getting any New York press, no leg legacy press. And somebody said to her, you need to take it to Christine Dolan. She's been part mm -hmm. of the press. You know, she's over with, you know, CDM. And, and that's when I interviewed not only Bobby in August of 2022, but it was also the judge who helped her move it back from the federal court to the state court. The, the state representatives. Uh, and it was extraordinary because it's one of those things that you sit back and you say, well, not in America. They can't just pull people out of your home. And you're thinking, well, all right. So the judge said there was no due process. It was unconstitutional. And at that point in time in August, the AG of New York, Letitia James, who we all now know because she's a lawyer who's going after Trump, Mm -hmm. And also Governor Hochul filed a piece of paper saying that they were going to appeal it at the time. None of us thought that they would actually appeal it before the election because they were up for election in November 2022. But they had the deadline they had was until January. So in January of this year, they went, they filed the, the full appeal. It went to court. 
there was an outburst of people coming in and support. The courtroom was filled. Everybody was applauding. We went back and, you know, and interviewed Bobby at different times, even after that mm -hmm. she had the argument. And I thought, well, she was, you know, she was on the right track. I talked to uh, Senator Borrello and he thought that they were on the right track. And then vada boom, this week it comes down and the appellate division said in New York, that and they didn't address any merits of the case. What they basically said is that the three representatives that were the plaintiffs on the case, plus another group of citizens who disagreed with this, uh, the, the attorney generals and the governor's position, they said that they didn't have any standing. So they didn't address the separation of powers issue because basically what this says is that. If the executive branch in a state usurps the power of the legislative branch, in other words, makes mm -hmm. a regulation instead of it being a piece of, it makes a regulation instead of it being a piece of legislation, the court is saying that's okay. And then they said that they, so they first said that they didn't have any standing. And when they say that's a legal term for people who don't understand mm -hmm. But what, what the argument was, they said that these people weren't injured because they weren't yet taken out of their home, which is kind of crazy. It's like saying, okay, fine, so you want to you train to run you over and then you've got standing to take a case? I mean, it's absurd. But even more importantly, they didn't address any of the issues in this case that were put forth about the separation of powers. So... What does that mean? That means that we're developing a pattern here in the court systems. And when we talk about mental health, whether it's in Georgia or whether it's in Tennessee, because we were down in, in Tennessee in August and covering their special session down there, people have to understand that this movement of usurping and taking away people's rights has to do with rep representatives even getting involved because these representatives in New York represent the people. And then you have another group come in of citizens. And if the court is saying, you you don't, you don't can't be in court, you have no standing because you haven't yet been injured. That That's like saying, until you're killed, until you're injured, you may not have any standing. It, it's, it, it's an extraordinary ruling that came down this week. And Bobby Ann is going to, appeal it in New York to, to the appellate court. The appellate court in New York is the highest court. So it's like the Supreme Court in New York. But here's the kicker. Just like the Supreme Court in the federal judicial system, the appellate court doesn't necessarily have to accept this case. Yeah. In New York. And if they refuse to take this case, this dangerous law by the governor of New York means that you, your child, your elderly parent, whoever is living underneath your roof, if somebody decides that they have in fact in your household been exposed to a communicable disease, which is not defined in this regulation, they can be moved out, taken out by law enforcement. You don't know for how long. You don't know where they are. You don't know under this regulation who's going to pay the cost for this. You don't know how long that they're going to be restricted or isolated or put in quarantine. 
you basically have lost your rights. Now, yeah. let's let's jump to the mental health issues that are being raised across the state and into Georgia. When people mention mental health, people have to be very careful about what is the process? Is it is there due process here? Is there representation here? Do you have a right? Is it defined? Is it is it? I mean, I mean specifically defined under the law, because if it's not defined under the law, it is a window of opportunity for somebody to lose their constitutional rights and be isolated in quarantine. And what is the definition of mental health? If you disagree with a narrative by the government. People might say, well, that person's crazy. Or you have COVID. We or think you, you have, have COVID. COVID. Or you've so been let's exposed. Put you in the camp. That's yeah. right. And then it gets into the surveillance issue. It gets into sort of a 1930s report on your neighbor issue with the, you know, the brown shirts. Mm -hmm. Is it somebody taking revenge? And and let's let's be honest about this. For people who have been through divorces or been involved with any personal acrimonies in the court of law, people make crazy accusations. But if somebody decides that they're going to make an accusation and it ends up that you lose your freedom, this is serious, serious business. I'm in Connecticut right now, Todd and Bill, as you guys know, because we're looking at a case here of a parent who has spoken out with other families, and I'm not going to get into the details, but I'll do give you the, give the audience a broad view of this. These are parents that have spoken out to protect their kids. At the same time, there was a concocted criminal charge by somebody against one of the fathers who is a retired law enforcement official. And this man is on the right side of God. He's on the right side of being a protective dad. He's a papa bear. He has spoken out. He has not harassed anybody. But somebody filed a false claim. A prosecutor accepted it. A judge signed it. I went to the arraignment back in June in Connecticut. And now what's going down is that um, he has found out that unions are involved behind the scene. And because these parents had filed, a civil lawsuit against some of the people involved in the education industry for not doing their jobs of protecting the children. Later, they were all involved in communications to go after one of these parents that has now ended up in a criminal case. Wow. So not having people follow constitutional law, state constitutional law, federal constitutional law, due process, opens up a window for every crazy to make a false accusation against somebody and bada boom, you have lost your freedoms, you're in quarantine, you have no other options. And as the judge asked the attorney general's uh, prosecutor in the lower court in New York, what happens under this regulation in New York how does some, I mean, how do you, what's your resolution? How do you, how do you deal with this? And the guy shrugged his shoulders and said, well, I guess they'd have to hire an attorney. Yeah. And that's when the judge said, boom, this is lacking in due process. This is lacking in any constitutional ruling. So one thing you mentioned is the surveillance. And in Georgia, there's been a lot of push on the surveillance front uh, mm -hmm. by the Kemp administration on down. And, so you have this phone and it, you know, it talks to other phones you pass by. So if you pass by somebody who their phone says they've been exposed to COVID, 
and all of a sudden it pings your phone, they can look at your phone and say, well, you've been exposed to COVID. Or they could send a signal to your phone and say, you've been exposed to COVID. And boom, you have, that's their proof that they can push, take you or your kids or, or, you know, like this dad, if he's causing trouble, okay, your kid's got COVID. We're going to take him. We're not telling you where he's going when he's coming back. I mean, that's what we're up against here. I mean, this is evil crap. You know? Well, it, it's okay. it's it's people being unconscious, okay? And 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 this is, you know, most people don't think about this. I mean, you know, we're addicted to the business that we're in. That's why we do it at our age, all right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fun. We like to go after the bad guys. We like to expose them at the same time. But you almost have to ask the the question: What are the tools of the trade that can get you to the point that you lose your freedoms? And that's kind of the prism that people should be looking at this. And I don't think everybody does that. So it's not just that, you know, Rafsenberger and Kemp may be bad guys that are taking advantage of the people who put them in office. But in New York, for instance, the Department of Health designed this crazy regulation and they're not even elected officials. Yeah. So, so you, have a, you have an executive branch it's a king. I mean, it's, it's a monarchy at that point. That's right. So. That's right. So, so in terms of the HB 520, when people mm -hmm. are talking about, you know, the mental health, you know, issue, people have to understand that the intents of this, you know, what is it that people want to do? I, now I can compare it to when I was down in Tennessee in August mm -hmm. during the special session and the, the special session was originated because of the trans shooter, mass shoot, shooting in Nashville back in, I think it was in March. So the governor called the special session. And on one side, you had the left wanting to take away guns. On the right side, some of the Republican rhinos wanted to say, well, let's have you know mental, mental health. And the problem with that is, that's the wrong argument. That's the wrong posturing of the argument of the issue, because the truth of the matter is, and as we have reported through Andrew Tebow, who received a lot of documents under a FDA FOIA request, we now know from 2004 to 2014 that the FDA has known that all of the psychotropic drugs and depressive antidepressant drugs, in fact, have an effect, just like the COVID shots have damages of neurological and vascular and cardio. Mm -hmm. We now know that the FDA and the pharma industry that manufactures those type of drugs for children has an increase in, in um, anger, violence, suicides, and murders, and everybody knows mm -hmm. it. So that's a discussion that we're trying to educate people about and with our pharma reform program. So, so that people understand, we have to we have to reposition some of these topics and some of these conversations, and we get rid of the political agendas so we can get to the truth. So we don't people don't lose their rights, and and it's and, and that's kind of what we're trying to do now when we're comparing these mental health and these quarantines. Because once we go down that road, it's very hard to pull back. And the best example I can give America is this: after 9/11, we all said that. We all agreed. We all agreed, or whether we did agree or not, it came out to be what we decided to do in terms of behavior. We all take off our shoes at the airport. We never had to do that before 9-11. We will always have to do that. 
So once you allow people to make these decisions, it's very hard to pull back on. Christine, thanks. We're going to have you back on this issue because it's not going away, but uh, we got to bring up our next guest. Yep. Talk and, about this and, all night, and I just but... want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And thank you very much to our Georgia, you know, sponsors and, and also to, you know, all our supporters down there for the Georgia record. Thanks, Christine. Talk to you soon. That's great. Yeah. Those are serious concerns. We'll, uh, we'll expand, I think a little bit more on those later in the show on, as it relates to Georgia as well. Exactly. And, and while we're talking about health, I want to mention our cattlemen out in Nebraska, familyfarmbeefbox.com with Glade Miller Smith. Uh, do you have a quick ad we could run there, Bill? I, I do. I do. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm going to take uh, you and I out and then we'll, we'll play the ad. Here okay. So I know Glade very well. You can see the love that his family puts into their product. The beef is fantastic. It arrives frozen, uh, multiple cuts. You can have your kids around the Barbie and decide what kind of cut you're going to make. There's no mRNA. You can decide what you're going to make that night. If the kids love it, especially the young kids, they learn about the cow. It's making an educational experience. So familyfarmbeefbox.com. Check them out. You can order a sample or you can order, get on their subscription list or just try one box and check out what you want to do. So familyfarmbeefbox.com. Please support Glade. What do we have next, Bill? Well, uh, here we go. I, let's bring in David. I wanted to uh, invite David Cross on this evening. Good night. Uh, good evening, David. How are you? Good, guys. How are you? Good. Thanks for making time. So, uh, you know, it's that time of year when, you know, we, sh we should be, and I hope are, um, thinking about thank yous for those that we interact with that have helped us that uh, we work with. And uh, so I, I don't, I can't really say exactly why, but when you and I were speaking earlier today, I just thought, you know, here's a guy that sees a lot of folks. And I thought, what a great guy to compare notes with on this notion of thank yous, especially now with I don't know, so many people across Georgia doing things they never thought they would be doing, but are doing it with gusto and with uh, courage and so forth. Exactly. I, I, and, you know, when we were talking earlier today, I just I started jotting down like some some people I could, you know, that uh, that I'm grateful for. And, uh, you know, the list got really, really long. I know. So it, it's really good. But, you know, num number one, number one is is uh, is God. It, it's a. Uh, you know, I am very grateful every day and I'm a big believer that, that I think that God treats us like, um, like we might treat teenagers. You know, if you have an, if you have a teenager, that's not, that's not too grateful, grateful for you, you tend to ignore that teenager. I think God kind of does the same thing. And if you have a, a teenager that, that, you know, you do something for them they, and they show a lot of gratitude, um, 
you know, and, and I think we, if we do the same thing with God, I think he, he says, you know what, I, that feels pretty good. I want to do more of that. So I, I'm just, I'm very grateful to God, you know, number one. Yeah, there's a, one of the things that uh, we note um, is the number of people that come up and wherever, you know, Todd is or I, I show up. People are always coming up saying, hey, thank you for everything you're doing. And, and it's kind of like, wait a minute, thank you for what you're doing. You're the guys who are here. You're the guys who are. And that uh, that was borne out as an example over the weekend at, uh, you know, the event uh, in Canton to try to uh, raise funds for those wrongly accused in this bizarre set of indictments from Fannie Willis. Um, and it's happened uh, in, in lots of other venues. All the people that meet that I think a lot of them didn't even think that they were going to be part of a political organization or maybe maybe it's not even truly political. It's more about let me let's fix the elections and. And here they are, and they show up, you know, week after week after week, and they're um, working all over the all over the state, and in in fact, all over the country, I think, yeah. to to make a change. Yeah. And so I, I was uh, I was watching uh, Brian Pritchard this morning on his show, and it was uh, it was funny. He he got a little choked up at the end. It, mm -hmm. it touched my heart when when he did that. Um, but as I was as I was thinking as I was thinking about him and and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely grateful, you know, to, to you guys, to, you know, my wife for, you know, for her supporting, you know, my work. Um, you know, she travels all over the place with me, like the event we were at, you know, you know, last weekend. And I'm truly grateful to her for, for standing behind me. Um, I'm also very, very grateful to, you know, I'm going to, I'll name some people off, but I don't want to leave last names because I got a lot of haters and I don't want to. I don't want to put people in harm's way. I, th I but, think those um, people will know who they, who you mean. So go right ahead. They will. They will definitely know who they are. And you guys might some, know some of them too. So there's um. So one person who's just been absolutely a godsend to me has been Tanya. She has done fantastic, um, fantastic work for me. I'm also very grateful for you know for you know for Catherine Engelbrecht and, and Greg Phillips for for stepping out and taking the initiative to to do to do what they've done. Um, to boldly stand up. And what's been really great is that their story has resonated with a lot of other people across the country. And when I go out and speak at different places, I see people that, that come up and they say, thank you for, you know, for doing this. And what can I do to be in, you know, to be more help? And I'm, I'm like, you know what, you, you being here is part of it. You being involved in, in your local community and being involved in your elections and being a poll watcher and getting trained and just knowing what's going on and being informed. That's a, you know, that's a huge benefit. So I, I appreciate, you know, Catherine and Greg for, for leading the charge there. Um, Narelle is over in, uh, in Australia. She's one of our, our folks that's helping us. Um, Kevin Monkley, you guys, I mean, you guys have had him, I think on, on your show before too. He's yeah. been fantastic. Joe Rossi, um, you know, and, and I think I shared with you guys before, you know, one of the things that I experienced was last year when I really just, I just really got totally involved in election and, you know, election integrity, election confidence, figuring out like what happened in the elections. And I started sharing a lot of that stuff on, on social media and even on Facebook. And I got to tell you, um, a lot, not all, but a lot of my democratic friends and, you know, leftist friends that I, that I had on face, Facebook or that I met through, you know, through my life, if some of those folks were clients with me or some of those people were friends, they parachuted out of my business. Like they were jumping out of C-130 to save their lives. 
and it was and it hurt. It absolutely hurt. And um, last year I had I had one particular person that um, he 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 said I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I appreciate what you're doing, but it's just it's too much. And you know, and you kind of sound like like you're crazy. And he pulled the plug and, and left with four point six million dollars. And she, and I was upset that day. I was salty. And I went and my wife did a prayer over dinner. And at the end of the prayer, she said, Lord, it's always been said that, that you won't take something away without providing something else of equivalent benefit. And she said, we could use that right about now. And I think there, I think there's a lot of conservative people out there that, that have been in, in the same boat. But, um, but God answered that prayer because the very next day I had a lady that called me up and she said, I'm getting divorced. I've got 700,000 bucks. I need your help. And I was like, awesome. This is amazing. And she said, and my friend's going to call you tomorrow. She's got 300,000 bucks. She needs financial planning, investment management. And I was like, awesome. And when, when, and I, in our business, when somebody said, my friend's going to call you, whenever they said, my friend's going to call you tomorrow, they never call. It just never happened <laughs> this time. Right. So there's a million dollars like in two days. And on the third day, a guy, you know, called me up and he said, I saw you on, on a podcast. I don't remember which one it was, but he said, I saw that, you know, you live in Swanee. I live in Swanee. I need your help. My dad needs your help. You know, my brother needs your help. And I was Perfect. like, fantastic. We got, we got together and he had $4.6 million. Wow. It was it's like, it's like, it's like God said, here's, here's the replacement and here's a little extra. And we just been really blessed. Um, so, and we've had a lot of new friends that have come in too. I mean, a lot of these people that are signing up with us as clients. I mean, they're they're really becoming very good friends, and 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 they kind of look at it. And I've had a couple of them say, "I feel like I found my tribe. Like you know me and what I'm talking about and what's important to me. And you're not going to treat me like I'm crazy if I tell you I want to have like 20 or 30 percent of my money, you know, in metals and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, or, or if I tell you that, you know, I you know I feel like I feel like my government's, you know, lying to me or poisoning me or whatever, you know, I don't judge, you know, because a lot of that stuff I've, I've found out, you know, it's uh, it's not conspiracy theory. It's a spoiler alert in a lot of cases. That, that we're well, all those, those guys who left you probably went to, you know, listen to the talking heads on the business channels, put all their money in the wrong place. And, and now they're probably hurting. I'm just yeah. guessing. It's, you know, it's, it, it's, this has been a really strange market. And I was talking mm -hmm. with a, a gentleman today that said, it just feels like it's uninvestable because, because it yeah. is bouncing too much. We've been really fortunate that I, I've got a young guy that works for me, Dylan, that has just done a fantastic job. I just pay him to look for interesting setups, things that look like they've got two to one, you know, you know, upside potential. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never had to trade in and out of things as much as I've had to this year, but you know, it's the environment that we're in right now in, in my business. If you don't, if you don't adapt, you're dead or your business is dead. Yeah. And I, like, I don't see a lot of fundamental uh, prop ups for a lot of what's happening. I mean, there's a lot of risk out there. So you're right. You really got to manage the downside first of all. Yeah, you, you absolutely have to manage the downside. And that, that's one of the things that we're really good at. Um, but, you know, by, by the same token, one of the things that seems really interesting right now, or it seems like, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. I, I think mm -hmm. um, I think Mark Twain said that. What rhymes right now is that there's, there's this craving for growth from artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons why I think you're seeing Microsoft stock is doing so well and NVIDIA stock is doing so well. And it reminds me of what we saw back in 97, 98, 99, when the, you know, 
internet stocks were taking off and you, you even had like, you know, like you had like a pet company right. that changed their name to pet.com and the stock went up like 300% in one day because they added.com to it. I, you know, it just seems like somebody, people are going to start saying, you know, Hey, my, my company AI or, you know, or, you know, you know, you know, chat us us asset or something like that i don't know it, just, it seems like we're just kind of like going in that direction and there's just it's, it's the old uber giving you stock tip problem you know when the guy driving you to the airport says hey did you buy that that's a good point yeah. that's, a, that's a that's a great point when, when that happens it's time to exit yeah. you know stage left and get out of there you you mentioned something a minute ago that uh rang rang a bell we had uh uh todd interviewed um uh, Glade Miller Smith with the Beef Bucks Company uh, last week, and one of the things he talked about was the the need for uh, community. And I, I think you could make the argument that many of the things that have happened probably in the last twenty five years have have eroded many communities. You know, everybody's living in their own little box. They're you know they're living their life off their phone and forgetting mm -hmm. that you know there's there's people living right around you that you know could either help you or could could use your help. And really, there's reasons to have those connections. And and his his point was that, you know, many people nowadays are saying, well, gosh, if everything goes to hell in a handbasket, I, I should own a property out in, you know, outer uh, Booneyville and be able to grow my own stuff. Well, yeah, but even if you do that, you still need community. And hopefully what, what you're describing with people coming in and, and having um, what sounds like a connection greater than just the work you're doing for somebody that connection is really imperative as we go forward, I think. And, um, and indicates maybe a coming together again of that notion of, of community of people working together, no matter what that means, you know, it could be helping people out with little stuff or it could be helping advise them properly, honestly, um, carefully so that they can, uh, they can be whole. Yeah. You know, talking, talking about like being thank thankful for things. My, my son is going to be 24 years old here, here pretty soon. So he is part of the younger generation. And one of the really cool things that's happening with the younger generation is that unlike any other, they, they are getting to the point where they're unplugging, you know, they're, they're putting these things down and saying, you know what? I mean, like my, my son, when, when he's, when he's practicing his, you know, his base, he will go put his telephone into, you know, into his mailbox and lock it in there so that he can't be disturbed. And he said, you know, he's, he's gotten off of Twitter. I mean, he's, you know, he actually became Catholic here just, you know, just recently and decided that, you know, that he's, you know, he wants to have a stronger relationship with God. And, and what's really fantastic is he's not the only one it's, it's, there's this hunger, hunger out there with the, with the younger, with the younger crowd. And I'm really so excited so to see it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It was just a report the last couple of days about the, um, during the 2020 election and before it looked like a lot of the youth were going for Biden because they, for whatever reason, they felt that that was the trendy thing, perhaps. Um, there's been, and I, I don't have the number in front of me, so I, I probably shouldn't guess, but I want to say it was 30 point swing or more from uh, backing a Biden like um, ticket to now looking and going, I need to back a Trump like ticket because what I need out of life, what I want out of life is more in line with what we had before and what I hope we can have again, I think is what, what they're seeing. Um, but that, that kind of swing is huge. 
I have one last question for you, David. Uh, this whole ESG thing is, and I don't want to put you on the spot if you can't answer, just tell us, but it's a, how do you, <laughs> how, how do you navigate that water? I mean, because you don't know, can you talk about that quickly as an advisor, how you keep people uh, from investing in companies that want to cut off their children's genitals, for instance? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, 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 so here, here's like the between thing. Between so the two of you guys. <laughs> So there's a, there's a couple there's a couple ways that we deal with it. The, the first one is is there's a big company I want don't want to you know mention the name because the, you know I'm sure they'll sue me. But there's a big company and their products are pervasive everywhere. It's like a it's like it's like this um like this like this giant squid that has its tentacles everywhere. And I one of the things I say in my ads it's absolutely true is that. If you've got your money invested with one of the big firms out there, you are probably feeding the beast that absolutely hates your values. They want you dead. They're not going to come right out and say it, but in the world that I live in, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. So we try, you know, we avoid the, those companies, you know, every every bit we can. We're certainly not going to make them stronger. Um, but I will say this: I, you know, I am, you know, I am a capitalist. If I if I happen to spot a really fantastic you know investment opportunity you know in a in a company that you know maybe it's questionable I you know I will sometimes go you know go buy that company to make money mm -hmm. off of them because mm -hmm. I'm not paying them fees if I, if my clients own stock in in company X company X is not benefiting you know from 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 you know from me owning their stock I mean it may, maybe it's helping you know support it but it's not bringing revenue and money in that they're going to turn around and spend on me to try and kill me right the way right. some of these other big companies are but you know there's multiple ways to navigate things and, and like I said one of the one of the things that we do is we're, we're really big on you know on owning you know on owning physical metals as well too and yeah. it's a lot of a lot of people in our a lot of people in our business will will really poo poo their, their clients and go you know I can't believe you're actually looking at that kind of stuff that just sounds kind of crazy conspiracy theorists all that kind of thing, but the reality is is like in the last three years, gold has had the same return as the S and P five hundred. It's so, been fantastic. Can you talk about that just quickly because we don't have a lot more time? But how do you, in general, how do you how do you recommend buying precious metals for your clients typically? So there, there's there's two ways. I, I recommend that the, the clients have some physical, you know, at, mm -hmm. at home. I mean, I do. I've got several mm -hmm. thousand ounces um, mm -hmm. that, that that I keep, you know, locked, you know, um, you know, that I keep locked in a, in a safe place. You do not keep it at a bank because your mm -hmm. bank has the ability to confiscate it because they have to follow the rules of the government. The other thing that we do is we we will own in our clients' accounts. We will own um, we will proxies. own yeah. will own proxies. I mean, there's there's yeah. a I don't know if I can mention a company. There's a Canadian company that, that we use that, that that allows for physical delivery if you do want to take physical delivery. So mm -hmm. I know for a fact that they've actually got the gold and silver bars, you know, in the Royal Canadian Mint, you know, and mm -hmm. if we want to take delivery, we can take delivery. Interesting. Thank you, David. That was really helpful. And uh, we'll have you back because the time always goes by so fast with you guys, man. It's like I, I come on. It's like, <laughs> bam, it's gone. Well, well it's because you, uh, you, you have any other you have any other questions, Bill? No, that's it for now. I agree. We're going to have you back. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we have uh, things in the near term that uh, you, you'd be able to shed some insights on. So uh, thanks. Thanks for the time, David. Happy Thanksgiving to you. One, one, one last thing. I want I want to give a quick shout out to Tara and Sophia for being fantastic friends to my wife, because mm. on the days when I'm traveling everywhere, you know, they have just been fantastic friends and they're they're part of that new tribe. So I want to say thank you to them. And you all that's have a important. happy Thanksgiving. too. That's, that's great. Have a happy one and be safe. Take care.
Great Good conversation. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where shall we go next, Mr. Wood? Uh, well, let me briefly, I'm going to put something up here. Um, it's Christmas time and people are looking for ways to uh, give a gift that will surprise and delight someone. And so go to themanhattan.press. It's our paper in New York. You know, the New York Times puts out the bestseller list, but it's heavily censored. The right books or the, that they want are on there, but the that's a bad pun of words. The left books they want are on there, but not, <laughs> not typically they don't, uh, you know, just an example. If Alex Jones puts a book out, it's not going to be there, or at least not where it should be on the list. So we have uh, the Manhattan, which is our New York paper, the Manhattan.press, has a bestsellers list, and it's completely uncensored. And we've got all different categories, uh, editors, picks, children's, youth, fiction, nonfiction, history, politics. It's all there. And these are simply the books that have sold the most that week. Uh, there's a little bit of a delay because we have to gather all the information. So I think the last date on the last list is November 11th. But we update it weekly, and we put a lot of work into this. And there's links there for the books. And so if you buy from those links, uh, you know, we may get a buck or two um, uh, part of the profit from the seller. And so it's a way to support free media. And but you get a great value in that you know what books are best. There's a lot of good history, political, America first books on there that you will delight in. So uh, go to the Manhattan.press, the top menu, check out the Manhattan bestsellers list. And buy some books for that somebody who has everything. Speaking of books, don't you have one out that's uh, that's hitting? Um, I do, you know? and because of what's going on in in the Middle East, it's actually getting a lot of attention right now. Um, paying the price. Do you want me to pull that up? Or do you I've have got it. it. I've okay, got it. cool. Here we go. So the untold story of the Iranian resistance is some a story you I guarantee you you may you will not know at least 99.9% of the people don't know this story because the US government hadn't want you to know it because they have been suppressing this group as well because they've been going through the age old fun game of appeasing the mullahs thinking if we help them suppress the people against them that they will not you know enact terror against us uh, and that's a false choice of course but this group is the, some of the bravest people I've ever met. I spent time in their Albanian camp for several weeks. And I spent time in Paris at their headquarters, their global headquarters for the diaspora and their satellite channels beaming information into Iran for freedom, free markets, uh, tolerance. It's run by a woman, religious tolerance. You know, So uh, they want to change Iran. And it's a story, again, that somebody who has everything will not know. So you can go to historyofbooks.com and get it uh, direct, uh, or you can buy it anywhere. It's available anywhere. Books are sold. So thank you for supporting us. And right now it's extremely timely. That's great. And that's just one of the books that uh, that they'll find there, right? And there's a there's a number of books that, uh, that you've put out over the years that are Well, yeah, you can go to ltoddwood.com and check out all my novels and nonfiction books. Uh, it's all there. Um we do have some inventory we're trying to move. The, the books are all going to be re-released by History of Books next year uh, as a set, but we still have some of the old original inventory that um, if you want to go to ltodwood.com, you can get it all there. Um, actually, you can't get the digital versions. Actually, the print versions aren't there either. Let me take that back. If you send me an email at uh, 
contact at creativedestructionmedia.com and want some books, I'll get it to you. Um, so anyway, what's next, Bill? Okay. So I thought we'd spend a little bit of time and expand on this notion of uh, mental health as it relates to Georgia, if we could. Um, Christine did a wonderful job talking about the case that's, uh, that, that just got uh, uh, ruled on in the appellate court. Um, but there's some also some fascinating byproducts sitting here in Georgia. One of the comments that, uh, that Christine made hit, uh, hit me like a ton of bricks. It was, you know, in case you get caught up in this, you know, unconstitutional um, uh, law and you're taken into whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, uh, containment or uh, uh, quarantine or custody or whatever they're calling it. What can you do? And the exact same question came up in Georgia during one of the, uh, I've forgotten whether, I think it was a Senate hearing. And somebody said, well, wait a minute. Part of this law, this HB 520, has the ability to have people put um, into diagnosis and maybe treatment without their approval. Two affidavits of other parties and an Early on in, in when the law was proposed, there were going to be two affidavits that could have the names of the parties that submitted them redacted. Um, they did end up removing that, that clause. However, the ability for a couple of people to have you put away is still there. And they asked the uh, somebody on the Senate um, panel that was reviewing this said, well, what would happen if somebody gets caught up in this and they really shouldn't? What, what is their out? How do they deal with this? And it was almost verbatim what Christine said earlier in the broadcast. They, gee, I guess they'd have to go get an attorney, which is bizarre. Terrific. Yes. You know, yes. Now, there's plenty know, of. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry. There, there are plenty of things baked into HB 520, which um, I am convinced that we're going to see something like this raise its ugly head. Why am I convinced? One one reason is about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago now, there was a, uh, a document sent around to every county commission in the state of Georgia. We have 159 counties in the state. And that uh, document was a, basically a fill-in-the-blanks resolution that uh, they could, these county commissions could fill in and send back and, and essentially was asking the legislature to finally take action on the mental health needs within Georgia. So I'm very convinced that they're trying to set this thing up for a reemergence. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that's been going on, and I'll come back to that resolution in just a minute. The other thing that's been going on is the behavioral health and I believe it's behavioral health and innovation committee uh, sponsored a bus tour to, among other things, educate people on, uh, or they say educate people on, the need for further mental health in Georgia. So let, let's go to all these different actions and say, does that spell that things are going to move forward if we don't push back on it? I believe the answer is yes. About a month and a half ago, uh, Brian Kemp, by executive action, put into place something called the GDAC uh uh, paragraphs from the HB 520 bill. What's that do? It forms uh, the ability for multiple agencies, almost any agency that they deem 
needed in the state of Georgia to trade information back and forth. What is it? Could be anything. Could it be private information? Could be. Could it be anything they want to have traded back and forth? Yes. Do they have to disclose it? If it wasn't going to be disclosed anyway, the answer is in many cases it won't be. Um, there's also some stipulations that uh, that make it uh, immune from Open Records Act. So you could have personal information, health information, mental background information, anything, be moving around and based on the way that in my interpretation of the uh, executive order, it would be quite difficult to maybe impossible for you to find out that it was being traded and to whom it was being traded. And uh, the to whom is even at the pleasure of the uh, decision of the, uh, of the governor. So you look at all these moves and you say, gosh, what is going on? Why is this such a big agenda? Now there's this finding up in, um, in the appellate court. And one of the things that uh, I located earlier today was, we'll come back to that in just a minute, was this, sitting right in Georgia code. And what does it say? Well, it says that folks can be isolated and segregated uh, if they are deemed to be or have been exposed to um, some sort of disease. Notice how short it is. Does it include due process? Doesn't seem to. Doesn't seem to have any due process in this. How do you fix it if you're wrongfully detained, isolated, whatever? Doesn't say that. Very super concerning for me. So stand back, look at all these moves. And to, I believe Christine's point was, this is not just a, um, a thing from one state. This is a pervasive um, move to be able to control folks, I believe, based on what other people deem to be reasonable grounds for um, taking away their rights. And I believe, it's all, that, yeah, it's almost ahead. like it's almost like a, uh, you know, if, if people disagree with an election or disagree with a decision by the government, uh, they it's almost like they want a way to get rid of them. It, and to your point, isn't it interesting yeah. that every time you you look at the uh, you know the the mainstream media that we've come to distrust so much, how many times a week do they claim that oh, there's you know Trump derangement syndrome speaking of it like it's a disease well we're fascists domestic now. terrorists yeah. and all this yeah. stuff i don't i don't think those words are chosen by um by uh, happenstance so completely um, agree i guess the message here is and I, I wanted to close the loop on the resolution too the resolution was put out by an organization we found uh called accg which is uh its moniker says that they're advancing Georgia's counties and they communicate necessary information out to the counties. And we'll be talking a lot more about the ACCG, I suspect, as we go forward, along with a lot more about the Behavioral Health and Innovation Committee. Uh, I think people need to understand exactly who these people are and exactly what their agendas appear to be as we go forward. Um, Sitting back and pretending there's not a problem is not, in my mind, an option for this. I read something recently. It said if you knew what they had in store for your children, you would fight with all your might against what they're trying to instill. So, Sounds like good advice to me. 
yeah. So, okay. so with that, perhaps uh, we didn't talk much about your travels uh, so far in the show. Maybe you could give us an update on what you've learned in the last 24, 48 hours in, in uh, your trip to Israel. Sure. So the first few days were quite eventful here in Tel Aviv with rocket attacks. And I had videoed some of the Iron Dome uh, responses overhead. and We showed those on some of the other programs. But I've spent a lot of time now that Shabbat is over here in Israel and trying to make uh, connections or furthering connections with senior Israeli leadership. And I met with Yossi, uh, hold on one second, let me bring this uh, up real quick. Um, where did that go? Trying to find out. Oh, I, I met with Yossi Cooperwasser, who is an Israeli intelligence and security expert, former head of the research division in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force and Military Intelligence Division and Director General of the Israeli Mil Ministry of Strategic Affairs. And highly fascinating interview. He's on the right there in that picture. Um, obviously a player in Israeli national security issues and in the political system. And one of the things I have been real curious about and want to get to the bottom of is how this happened. Because um, there's a lot of stuff floating around that, um, you know, maybe it was engineered, maybe there was a bigger aim, maybe this conflict was wanted on either side. And so it was allowed to happen uh, by the U.S., by whoever. And I sat down with him today for a long discussion, and he had several points which I found interesting. And one, he had three reasons um, why this happened. One was the indoctrination over a long period of time to get the population in Gaza, and we're seeing this in the U.S., to be extremely anti-Jewish uh, and anti-Israeli from an ideological uh, kind of revolutionary standpoint, and teaching it in the schools and getting this population on the edge of their seats to, uh, to strike at Israel. And, and the government that has been in Israel recently is not the government of old Israel that was, you know, that spoke Arabic, that understood everything. Is a lot of these people just don't understand the mindset on the other side. The number two is that they executed it extremely well with a lot of operational security. And um, they had some, you know, Israel had some awareness of a lot of people gathering or, you know, information that something might happen, but they didn't have when or how. And so, when it was executed, it was done in a saturation manner in that they fired a large number of rockets and uh, a large number of terrorists came across the fence in a large number of places. And so they just did, they simply, the system was overwhelmed, which you would think that they would prepare for that. But again, they thought that the, that the Hamas in Gaza was deterred. They had given them a lot of aid. They had, uh, you know, several years before there might be any kind of attack because um, what he mentioned is that that, that mindset of that uh, extremist is that, yeah, we'll take whatever aid you want to give us, but we still want to kill you. And so that is kind of how this has been developed. And he did mention they're very dependent on the U.S., which I found interesting for hmm. uh, ammunition and for aid and for diplomatic support internationally. He said they had no human intelligence really anymore in Gaza. You know, in the Yom Kippur War, they had 10 or 20 or 30 people inside the other side, maybe on their payroll, maybe double agents, but still were feeding them information. They said they didn't have that at all this time. And, and Israel, because of the 
divisiveness in the population was in a position of weakness. And what does that stand? What does that sound like to you? Very familiar what's happening in the U.S. And that Hamas wants the ceasefire to end. You know, Bibi Netanyahu said it's not. His position, you know, will be dealt with after the war is over. But I think Israeli population is very um, uh, together on this. They want to fight this, and 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 it's a fight for survival. So those are the kind of things that that I you know listened to and and learned. Have you been able to um, discern whether there's a you know a cadence in the attacks? I remember the very first night you got there, you you had uh, some attacks literally over the top of the, uh, mm-hmm. the hotel. Yes, it was up pretty far, but, <laughs> but still you could hear pretty, pretty good booms. Did, yeah. Is, is that, is that now slowing down? Are we in the ceasefire? What, what's going uh, on? I, I don't know. I've been so busy. I haven't looked at the, you know, and you can go to cdm.press. Christine put a lot of good press out over the last week and read the updates she's been putting out on the details of the ceasefire. Um, that is going to continue overhead. It's a factor of life, it, you know, occasionally, in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, they have these type of missile attacks. And the Iron Dome is very successful. The question is, in a massive attack with lots of, um, you know, rounds fired together, uh, will they be able to, to defeat that? And that's also a problem with the U.S. military. You know, we have very sophisticated ships with very sophisticated defenses, but if you have a thousand rockets, high, you know, uh, what do you call it? The, the uh, hypersonic uh, hypersonic missiles coming in, then uh, that's that. Could overwhelm those defenses. That does bring me to a point, though, in the north, in that they have a very big problem with Hezbollah in Lebanon. It looks like Hezbollah does not want a war, but they have massive number of armaments, over 150,000 uh, very accurate and powerful uh, missiles that they could devastate parts of Israel with. And uh, that's a problem. And he said, we're going to have to deal with that either diplomatically by putting pressure on Lebanon through the international organizations to move Hezbollah away from the border because a lot of Israelis won't go back to their homes because if they were near the border in the north or the south, they just don't want to go back. And so that that's a problem. They, they can't live like that. And that has to be dealt with. And they said it may have to be a military solution, which includes the U.S. probably. So mm-hmm. that is, uh, that's a problem. And we need to, uh, I, I think, not let that happen by getting the U.S. into another forever war. So we need to fight hard against that like we have against the war in Ukraine. Yeah, isn't it interesting? We went we went a few years without getting in a war, and now it just seems like we can't we can't even get out of one before the next one starts. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, fascinating. Okay. Well, I think that's it, Bill. Unless you had anything else. Uh, no, that's it for tonight. We uh, I think we're going to have some very interesting guests on come Sunday. Um, yes. And uh, I'll just uh, sort of add my thoughts to what we said earlier, which is you know we're, I'm grateful for uh everything that's gone on this year for you know i'm one one i'm grateful for being part of cdm i think it's a fun place to do i I hope we're making the impact that it feels like we are and i think we are um i'm I'm grateful to all the folks around georgia that are helping us every day um Mm -hmm. they don't see they don't see how their individual inputs um are helping but I'll, i'll just tell them they are and uh you know have a safe and, and happy Thanksgiving for everybody within the sound of our broadcast. And let me just say that, uh, yes, I'm thankful too for all the support CDM has received. And I'll tell you, this has been a hard fight for several years. We have been attacked mercilessly. We've had multi, you know, scores of deplatforms. We've had our bank accounts wiped. We've had death threats. We've had computers blow up. 
We've had all kind of, you know, Media Matters came after us. We can't sell ads through the normal systems. So we are surviving and thriving in spite of all that. Um, and I, I, every time we need something, it just kind of magically appears. So uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, please check out our no ad subscriptions and help us build a, a revenue every month that just can pay the operational expenses so we can sleep at night a little better. But yeah. thank you, Bill. Thank you. All right. We'll see you back on Sunday. All right. You can take us out. Thanks.